It's nice to sit with all of you. It's nice to be in stillness together and settle the mind, collect and unify the mind. There's a lot going on out there. Yeah. And when we collect and unify the mind, when we close the eyes, when we settle, when we still, when we come to a silent place like Spirit Rock without the stimulation, we have the opportunity to recognize that there's a lot going on inside too. That it's not just external, but it's internal. And we get to see the relationship between those two, between the external and the internal. And, um, and get to see that we have choice, that we have choice about how we respond both internally and externally. And that's really the empowerment of these teachings. The empowerment of these teachings is that we have choice to influence our experience moment to moment. We have choice to influence our world moment to moment. That we cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot as much as we try and so wish we could, we cannot make the outcomes happen that we want to happen. We don't have that control. But we can influence moment to moment through intention and through knowing what we're about, through knowing what our values are. When we know what our values are, when we know what we most care about, and when we over and over and over and over and over and over and over again see that grasping on to a changing, uncertain world causes suffering. And we have to learn this lesson over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, that's why I said during the meditation, it's like, it's not an accident when your mind goes off. We don't want to get mad at our mind when our mind goes off. We want to be like, yes, I'm seeing what the mind does. It goes off. It leaves our intention to be present and is off doing something else. And that's a moment of like recognition. Oh, yeah. Going off from what I care most about is like this. It's what it's like to be human. We go off from what we most care about, and then we come back to center. We realign. We recommit. And we start over. And we just keep starting over and over and over and over and over again. And clarify over and over and over again, over time, what is our motivation what do we really care about through this feedback loop of paying attention? So what we're training in here in mindfulness is learning how to pay attention so that our feedback loop, this feedback loop of intention in what we really value is quicker. Our response time is quicker. Victor Frankl, many of you guys probably know this quote, is he said something like, you know, between stimulus and response, there's a gap. There lies our power. There lies our freedom. There lies our power. Between stimulus and response, there's a gap. And there lies our power. There lies our freedom. We're training in having power and having choice to choose that which we most care about. And the language we use here is to choose suffering over non-suffering, right? To choose suffering as this grasping, this, the Four Noble Truths, the, the essence, the core teachings are one is that pain exists. You didn't make a mistake. There's no, you didn't do anything wrong. Pain exists. That's what it's like here. It's painful. Things happen. We lose what we love. We get what we want. We don't really like it. <laughs> we have to deal with the consequences, right? That pain, it's just like that here. There's just friction. One of the metaphors that you, is used is that the, our house is burning, that when we pay attention to our experience, and this is one of the benefits of being in stillness, is we can just see this friction. We can just see this friction over and over and over again. So that the, this friction exists, the first noble truth, but the second noble truth is where the suffering is, is in this grasping, in this holding on, in this pushing and pulling on experience, trying to make certain what isn't certain, certain. 
and that we can let go. We can train in letting go. We can train in releasing. We can train in non-reactivity. We can train in increasing that response time. That's the empowerment. That's the empowerment. Uh, often we say, like, sudden awakening, gradual cultivation. We can see it over and over and over again, and it's this gradual cultivation. It's part of why, for me, I bow because this process is humbling. It's beautiful, but it's humbling because we just see over and over and over again these, this force, this force of clinging and holding on. So um, I'm really curious how people are doing, actually. Like, how are you, given all that's going on inside and outside? Anyone, like popcorn style, people willing to just share? Like, how are you doing? How are you? Worried and scared. Thank you. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, gratitude for life and gratitude for the Dharma, for the teachings, for these, the Dharma, we say Dharma, Dharma means um, the teachings of the Buddha that have been passed down for 25, 2,600 years um, because they've been useful to people in very extreme circumstances. And people have risked their lives to keep these teachings continued. So gratitude for life, gratitude for the Dharma. Thank you. What else? How are you doing? How are you? Grounded or ungrounded? Yeah, feeling ungrounded. Ignited. So ignited, saying like a clear focus to put love in action. Anyone else, something that hasn't been said that you feel like, yeah, yeah. Pretty confused. Yeah. 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 So he's feeling, yeah, it's a good thing you're saying. Yeah, he's saying that he's feeling grateful that he's noticing that there's, there's like a uh, unsettledness, more un- awareness. Yeah, awareness and more unsettledness. And he's feeling gratitude for that. Yeah. So this moment is like this. Like this is some of the ways that we're doing right now. And then each of you all have your individual experience of how you are right now. Yeah. I'm grateful for um Yeah. Yeah. He said he's you know he's grateful for just the, the, the talk on reactivity that's short talk and reactivity, and he had access to that space between stimulus and response, and he's just grat- in gratitude for uh, a reflection on that. So yeah, so this is how we are, and in, in how we are is where we start. We don't start where we think we should be. We don't start based on like the teaching that we read in a book <laughs> as much as we might like to. It's really coming home into this moment and, and sometimes even asking, how am I? That's all we have to ask. We don't actually even have to know the answer. It's just the question, how am I? That allows us to drop a little bit deeper into the present moment, a little bit more into uh, a sense of openness or, or connection with reality. And... Uh, uh, disconnection from this incessant spinning, an incessant kind of reactivity that is just kind of saying the same thing over and over and over again in our thoughts and in our emotions. So um, I said it in the beginning, but I'll say it again because it's really worth repeating is that 
where you are is welcome. Exactly where you are is welcome. Because exactly where you are has the energy, has the, um, has the wisdom, has the, um, has the power. The moment that we're in, it's like when I said, you know, this fathom-long body, the whole of the Dharma is within this fathom-long da- body. The whole of the Dharma is within this moment that you're living right now not another moment. So it's a deep welcome and continuing to welcome over and over again the moment that we're living right now. What I've been reflecting on and seeing in clients and students and friends and my own self is uncertainty. Whoa. Just this real sense of life is uncertain. And... um, a lot of change, a lot of things happening very quickly in feeling uh, the embodiment of this moment-to-moment unfolding river that's out of of our control, what we call uncertainty. Pema Chodron, who's a great Buddhist teacher, says, "The the root of suffering is resisting the certainty that no matter what the circumstances, uncertainty is all we truly have. She said, the root of suffering, that second noble truth, that clinging that I was talking about, this holding on, this pushing and pulling of experience, the root of this suffering is resisting the certainty that no matter what the circumstances, uncertainty is all we have. Uncertainty is all we have. This change, this movement, this fluctuation, that that's reality. That's reality, is that life is constantly changing, that there's no ground, and it's, it's, it's moving, it's pulsing, it's changing. So what's, what is our reaction to that, right? Like, what's our reaction to uncertainty? What's our reaction to change? Um... I think we heard some of the reactions in where people were saying how they are, right? When we're, we're connected with this moment-to-moment change, we can be afraid, right? We can get afraid when things feel uncertain, when things feel ungrounded, when things feel uprooted. We can feel afraid. We can feel sad. We can feel hopeless. We can feel like we don't want to get out of bed. We can feel, um, you name it, you know, we can contract. We can contract around reality. This is part of being human. You haven't done anything wrong. This is one of the reactions that you're having. Welcome to humanity. Like, welcome to being human. And then someone else talked to, you know, other people have talked about inspiration or possibility or feeling like renewed or open. So when change happens, we can, and we're really in touch with change, it can also bring about possibility. It can also bring about energy. It can also bring about um, inspiration, ingenuity, creativity. The call of this path is not... Um, a preference towards, say, something more positive than uh, possible, like, oh, I'm feeling possible and excited and renewed, and preferencing that over despair or hopelessness. The call of this path is to meet the experience that you're actually in. How do we do that? How do we meet the experience that we're actually in? It requires not knowing. It requires this, this mindfulness, this capacity to meet things as they are, meet the moment as it is with this beginner's mind, with this not knowing mind. Our mind creates, tries to create certainty. We meet a moment, we meet a person. I'm like, oh, I know you. I know what you're about. 
I know what's going to happen. I know how it's going to be. And then we live in that conceptual knowing, right? We walk into a store. We know exactly what we're going to get, how it's going to happen. And it's like we're just in this trance. We're in this trance of the situation or relating to people or relating to you know, just all sorts of different situations. So what this is requiring is that we drop in, we encourage this beginner's mind, this newness, this freshness. Okay, what's actually happening now? Who actually is this person in front of me? What actually is the emotion I'm feeling? I always say, you know, when I work with people, people will come in and they'll be like, all right, I'm not feeling angry. I'm like... (laughs) What's pissing you off? <laughs> That's my next question. Because often we're telling ourselves one thing and the complete opposite is happening. And again, this isn't a reason to judge ourselves. It's just a re- like, where are we actually? And again, we don't always have to even know. We might be confused or might be really uncertain. It might be very hairy. But just in the turning towards, it's like, okay, here I am. I'm here. I don't know. There's a lot of not knowing. There's a lot of not knowing, but I'm here. I'm willing to be here and not know. I'm willing to be here and not know. Uh, Tanisara, who's a really lovely meditation teacher who um, started a monastery, not a monastery, um, she was previously a nun, but started a center in South Africa, but has just recently moved to the Bay Area, so she's going to be teaching more here, and I highly recommend that you all work with her. She's um, fabulous. And, uh, and she's going to be teaching the Thursday night in a few, within the next month or so. Um, she wrote this book called Time to Rise Up or Time to Stand Up, something like this. Um, it's red. It came out in 2015. And she says, we're in the midst of a great struggle between two forces, the imperative to change and the apathy to stay the same. We are in the midst of a great struggle between two forces, the imperative to change and the apathy to stay the same, right? Third noble truth, you know, this imperative to change, free, letting go, change is happening, emergence is happening, action, responding. That's the third noble truth. That's freedom. We're letting go and life's emerging. We're letting go and life's emerging. The apathy, second noble truth, stuck in it, you know. So I love this because what it's speaking to is the tension of our time, these two forces. And what this path is calling forth in us is the capacity to stay in the tension of those two forces, stay in the tension. By being able to stay in the tension, this third can emerge this third can emerge. We haven't done anything wrong or right. We need to be right where we are, staying with reality as it's unfolding, learning about reality itself, gaining wisdom. That life, like the definition of wisdom is change. Change is happening. There is not a fixed you at the center of it. You are so much more beautiful and vast and wondrous than the small identities that seem like who you are. You are so much more beautiful. There is so much more possible in your life. That's wisdom. Ignorance is when we're not seeing from that point of view. What we define as ignorance is when we're not seeing change, when we're, when we're thinking that we're this small self that's out to get our own needs met. It doesn't mean that we don't take care of our needs and, you know, care for ourselves, but that's different than a fixated me, 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 how do I protect me at all costs at all times? So many of you have maybe heard this quote by now, but I think it's bare worth repeating. It's by Clarissa Piccola Estes, and she is a 
American poet who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves, and I'm paraphrasing, or I'm taking several of her points and bringing them together, but I recommend that you read the whole thing at another time. says, my friends, do not lose heart. We were made for these times. Yes, for years we've been learning, practicing, been in training for, and just waiting to meet on this exact plane of engagement. I grew up in the Great Lakes and recognize a seaworthy vessel when I see one. Regarding awakened souls, there has never been more able vessels in the waters than right now across the world. And they are fully provisioned and able to signal one another as never before in the history of humankind. One of the most calming and powerful actions you can do to intervene in a stormy world is to stand up and show your soul, is to stand up and show your gifts, is to stand up and show your potential. One of the most calming and powerful actions you can do to intervene in a stormy world is to stand up and show your soul. And that spirit, I hope you will write this on your wall, when a great ship is in harbored and moored, it is safe. That there can be no doubt. But that is not what great ships are built for. When a great ship is in harbor and, in, and moored, it is safe. There can be no doubt. But that's not what great ships are built for. No security. There's no safety. Oh, here we are, a room full of great ships. (laughs) The Buddha. The Buddha said, this is from the Dhammapada, live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Live in joy, in health, even among those afflicted. Live in joy, in peace, even among the troubled. Look within, be still, free from fear and attachment. Know the sweet joy of the way. Live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy, in peace, even among the troubled. Look within, be still, fear from, free from fear and attachment, know the sweet joy of the way. So, how do we find joy in hopelessness? You know, how do we find joy in confusion? How do we find joy in... Um, despair. Right? Like it's a good, these are good questions. How do we do this? What's the path? The only way forward is through. The only way forward is through. And the force of greed, this force of the second noble truth force, all it wants you to do is turn away. All it wants, it's, it wants you to turn away. It does not want you to allow the pain. It really, it's so sweet in that way. Craving wants to protect you. It really thinks... If you turn away, it can, get, it can be safe. It really believes that, that by turning away safety, you'll, you'll be safe. And it's just not true. It's just not true. So, you know, sometimes, just for the record, there's something uh, in the Tibetan tradition that I love called, you know, when things self-liberate. You might be in meditation and there's a really even kind of sticky thought and you notice it 
and it just drops away. And then you're back, you know, and you're just present and you're just able, like something self-liberates. And that happens. And that can happen with big things sometimes and it can happen with small things often. And so it's important to know that that is possible. It is impossible for things to let go and release, to self-liberate. And other times things are really sticky are super sticky, they're confusing, and we need tools to be able to turn towards. We need tools to be able to, to um, gradually meet that which we don't want to face, gradually meet the, the grasping, gradually meet the clinging. Yesterday, um, I was in a meeting with one of our elders here, Joanna Macy. She's a, another teacher who I highly recommend. She's going to be teaching more here. She's on fire, man. She's like in her late 70s, early, I think late 70s, maybe 80s. 80s? She's in her 80s. Is she 88? Oh my gosh. You would never know it. She's on fire, you guys. She's on fire. She's going to be here teaching a lot. She's, she's giving it so inspiring to see. You know, she's really dedicated her life to these teachings and dedicated her life to embodying these teachings in action and to see the energy and the aliveness and the, like, vitality. So inspiring. So I highly recommend, again, like, you know, I'm naming people because I want you to come practice with them. So I was at a meeting um, with her yesterday and we were talking about... Um, the evolution of her work and that the first retreats she ever did were called um, about, they were about despair and empowerment because she was starting to see this, this, uh, she'd been through quite a bit of suffering in her life and had started to see that um, the despair and the empowerment were inter were linked. And someone had said despair, to, oh, you used to do those despair to empowerment retreats. And she said, no. I used to do despair and empowerment retreats. It's not despair to empowerment. It's despair and empowerment, that the empowerment is within the despair itself, that when we turn towards, that's where the empowerment lies. It's not external. It's not outside. So I wanted to teach you this, um, this practice that we do here called RAIN. And uh, it's a practice when we're in our meditation and something sticky has arised. I often teach, you know, if something has arisen more than three times and the mind is collected and unified to a point, like there's some kind of steadiness. Sometimes our mind isn't steady. You have done nothing wrong. The mind just, it's a mind that's unsteady is like this, just for the record. But when the mind, I often say, if the mind is, like, is cycling something three or more times and the mind is steady enough, what I recommend is turning to it in this way. Because when we turn to things in this way, what we start to see is that their nature is impermanent. We start to see that when we turn towards, oh, at the root, at the essence, they can reveal that self-liberating quality. But it's more gradual often when they're more sticky. So this process called RAIN. The first is R, and I'm going to describe this as like this linear process, and we'll do a little guided meditation as well. It's a not a linear process. You know, it's non-linear and I'm going to describe it linear because that's what we need, you know, to, in order to teach something, I'm going to describe it linear. But I just want to say on the front end, it's not necessarily linear. And when I guide it, I want you to trust your own unfolding more than the linear process. But first to say so, the first is R, recognize. And this is just what I'm saying, that we recognize, okay, something sticky's going on, and we just recognize it, right? Like we're taking this A-frame and going, okay, this is happening, something sticky's happening. Then the second A is we make a commitment to allow what's happening to be there. So we say, okay, 
I don't necessarily like you. I don't necessarily want it to be this way. I don't necessarily um, wouldn't choose you if I had a choice, but this is how it is. And so I'm going to allow. And you just open. And often you're just like, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Then the next is I, it's investigate. And that's where, and I mentioned this a little bit in the meditation trying to point you to this, it's where we like feel into. So what are the body sensations associated with this? What is the mental state? What is it, what is it you know, where, where is it located in the body? Some of you might not have access to like, you know, uh, where, where exactly it is in the body. Everyone's body awareness is different. We all have different capacities there. We can train, but we have different capacities. So, you know, just locating where it is. Noticing um, emotional tone. And then also beliefs. There might be some beliefs associated with it. Beliefs are tricky because we don't, we're not, it's not a thought process. We're not trying to think about or try to figure out. We're more going into, and then there might be a thought that emerges based on a very quick inquiry. And then the N is non-identification. The N is recognizing that this isn't personal. You might have noticed when people said how they're doing, what people said related to your experience. How many people do you imagine of the billions of people in the world right now are feeling sad, happy, inspired, loved, unloved? We are so in this together. We are so in this together. So what we're experiencing, while it's very personal, I don't mean to undermine the very personal experience of your life, it's also radically not personal. It's causes and conditions unfolding based on particular circumstances that came together as you. And when this capacity to be aware meets, meets, uh, meets a sticky situation or meets our life, the other thing that can happen is that we can notice a softening we can notice a releasing. We can notice the third noble truth in action. We can notice this letting go. And even sometimes we can start to notice that we are more that softening. We are more that compassion. We are more that love than the stickiness. Our identity starts to shift. Jack tells this story, which I love, about this Buddha who was covered in clay and one day in the village, and I think this was in Thailand or Burma, they, they chipped on, they noticed there was a little bit of gold in the Buddha. And they chipped around and realized it was a fully golden Buddha that had been covered over during one of the invasions where um, Buddhism was under uh, attack. This is our situation, is that we think we're the clay, we think we're the tightness when we're really the actual golden Buddha, the golden Prajnaparamita, the golden Kuan Yin. So um, let's do a little guided meditation. This will get us in the thick of it. Just starting by feeling your feet in the ground. If you're comfortable having your eyes closed, I recommend it. If not, I recommend putting them like at a 45 degree angle if you're comfortable. And then starting with this welcoming. Welcome. Welcome yourself to this moment.
Feel the lower portion of the body grounded. Invite any tension, any holding. Invite yourself to relax. And then invite the spine to lengthen. Imagining this golden Kuan Yin, this golden Buddha, or this golden Mary, golden you. And at any point during this meditation, you can come back to this golden light, can come back to this golden you. If it gets too much, just open your eyes, come back to the golden light. All right, so I'm going to invite you to bring to mind something that maybe came up in your meditation or something in your life that's sticky that you feel resourced right now to explore. Anything in this moment that you feel resourced right now to explore. And I want you, and you would never do this in meditation. We're just doing this because you know, I'm trying to teach you this process of turning towards when something's sticky. But because we're doing that, I'm going to invite you to really bring it up. So imagine the situation... Think about the sights, the sounds, the smells. And really intensify your reactivity around it. (laughs) It's like, you know, like let it rip. And then start asking, in what else? So this is the allow. So you've recognized something sticky is happening. And just by doing the exercise, we did this. And now, in what else? In what else is here? What else? What else? welcoming heart, this willing heart. You don't have to like it. You don't have to approve of it. We're starting where we are. What's here? And this might be where you stay. You're just staying with the what else and just welcoming and welcoming and welcoming. And as you welcome, you might notice some softening. You might notice some stillness. You might notice some care. Or you might notice it just getting bigger. You can go on now to the I, to the investigate. Where do you notice this in your body most strongly? Where is this located in your body most strongly? And if you don't know, guess. Just guess and choose it and keep the attention in that area. And you can place your hand on that area. You can breathe into that area. What body sensations are associated with this? Pulsing, tingling, heat, cool. Just breathing with, opening to. You're just allowing, noticing. bringing this power of awareness to your reality right now. Noticing change. And then dropping in the question, is there something you believe 
from the point of view of these body sensations? Is there something you believe about yourself or the world from the point of view of this stickiness? Don't search, but sometimes something will just arise. If it arises, great. And if not, stay with the body sensations. Notice any softness, any care. And if you're noticing any care or softness, you can start to preference that over the stickiness. So start to pay attention to the softness or the care or the compassion. And it's not that the stickiness goes away. It's not that the pain, maybe the stickiness could sometimes go away. But sometimes the pain doesn't go away. The stickiness doesn't go away. But something else has emerged. There's something else that's arisen. See if you can hold both of those in your awareness. Being clearly, and also the presence of care, compassion, softening. And just for a few more moments, breathing. And then I invite you to, to the degree that you're able, just release any of the stickiness, release the visualization, and come back to the breath. That's what we would do in the meditation, is we can go into something, and then maybe it dissolves or releases, and then we just come back to the breathing. Or it doesn't. We just come back. We know our home base. We know what we're about. All right, so um, I'll just leave it open to questions, comments. Helga, yes, yeah, she's on it. Great, yeah. Any questions, comments? Yeah. Uh, two things. Oh, one second. Um, because we're live streaming, we want to use the microphone. So thank you for everyone for your patience with that. Thank you. Uh, two things. One is you mentioned that this is not linear. Yeah. So can we drop into the R or the A or the I or the N at any given time? And, um, then, we're, and then the second question is um, I'm on the phone and I'm feeling the fire beginning to rage. And I'm in a business meeting where I got to be answering a question. How do you go through rain on the fly? Beautiful. Yeah, great question. So, um, do you mind, can I ask you some direct questions back and forth? Maybe keep it, yeah. When you think about this phone call or business meeting in that rage, you said rage, yeah? Um, what do you notice physically? What do you notice when you think about that? Uh, it feels like my blood pressure starts to increase and my head starts to throb. Yeah, so the blood pressure starts to increase, the head starts to throb. And where do you notice that primarily in the body? 
For me, it starts in my chest and goes out. Okay. So my first instruction, it would be the, the R and the A, right? It's the recognize, and then you're allowing, like you're like, okay, rage is like this, rage is like this, rage is like this. And we go back to the Viktor Frankl uh, thing, the quote, that right between the stimulus and the response, there's a pause there. So I would have you very, start training in mindfulness of sensations of rage and stay in that. Like, I want you to feel the impact of that. Take the feedback of that. You're ta- you're take- you're- you want your system to take in that data. Take in that data. Rage is like this. And feel the impact. Feel the impact slowly, slowly, slowly over time. Then, you know, this isn't part of the rain. This is more going into mindful intention, um, which is the second... Uh, aspect of the eightfold path, which is what are you about? You know, reflecting on what are your values? What are you most about? And, and what is the relationship with, you know, what's happening? It's a bigger conversation, but like what's happening and what, you know, are you aligned with your values? Are you not aligned with your values and why? And it's a bigger conversation. Um, but the first step is this intention toward, you're here, so I believe that you have an intention to mind, to, towards mindfulness, towards presence. And so staying with that experience of rage is like this, rage is like this, rage is like this, rage is like this, and increasing that response time, increasing that response time. And then you can start to investigate more deeper into who you really are as that starts to increase. Right? You following, you following me? Yeah. Great. Thank you for that question. I really, yeah, appreciate you being here. Here's another one here. Thank you. Um, I I feel like a lot of um, internal confusion and conflict between sort of um, direction or two choices kind of and, and sort of I don't know if you have any thoughts for how to move into that and, and I mean I've, I've been like sort of tortured by it for feels like a month now mm. and I don't know any any insight would be helpful yeah so he's saying that he's you're, he's on the I'm so used to repeating um, so you're in a situation where there's two choices you're saying and you're needing to make a decision about two choices right how many people can relate? We call that ambivalence often. Yeah? How many people can relate to ambivalence? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that we didn't mention. Like, people didn't say, how are you? I'm feeling ambivalent. It's not um, oftentimes something that we, we name or we recognize, and it's very powerful to recognize ambivalence. It's very powerful to sit down and know ambivalence is happening. There's one part of me and there's another part of me. There's one part of me and there's another part of me. There's one part of me, and, you know, and to be with, be with the tension. You know, this practice can help you be with the tension around ambivalence. And just knowing that it's ambivalence can be very liberating. Oh, I'm ambivalent. The thing with ambivalence, which is very similar to doubt, is that it can often stop us for a very long time. It can stop us in our tracks for a very long time, and it can masquerade as wisdom. It can masquerade as wisdom. We think it's wise, but really we're just stuck in, in not making a decision. And there can be a lot of different factors in that, but ultimately what we need to do is we need to act. And we all have different conditioning, so some people might act too soon and other people act too late, but Ultimately, the learning comes from choice, and that's the empowerment. I mean, that's what I started talking about here, is that you know, we, we're orienting from the viewpoint of wise view, this uncertainty, this continual change, and then we have to, we have to throw ourselves into the game, and then we take the feedback, and we take the feedback based on our understanding of wisdom and based on our commitment to compassion towards ourselves. I and mean, that's the hard thing. When we make a choice and then we, the choice doesn't go our way, oftentimes we judge ourselves for that, <laughs> create more of a loop. But 
Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I just wondered if you could mention the end part again, because I didn't really make the associations, and I really w I wasn't sure what what that part was. At the end, not I just didn't quite hear you. I think maybe. Yeah. Well, the end is the hardest to um, understand. It has to do with. Um, not taking things personally has to do with the fact that we're all interconnected. And it also has to do with compassion. That, um, let's see. Yeah, that, um, that anything that's, uh, that we're, anything that's, uh, oh, I'm, Anything that's causing us suffering, anything that we're thinking about over and over again, anything, you know, even if it's someone that we don't like, the reason why at the, at the root of the cycling is care, is deep care. And one of, there was a Zen teacher that called this tracing back the radiance, right? That when we trace back any fixation or any stickiness, it comes back to deep care, to love. We care about something. Something we really care about is at stake. You know, maybe a value or a, 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 a something like the earth, you know, or justice. Something about justice is at stake. And something is threatening that. And that's why we're reacting. So it's tracing back the radiance. The end is, is a moment where we see that radiance. And it could be a big seeing or a small seeing and realizing that it's not permanent, you know, that the fixation is not permanent and that the essence of the fixation is love and compassion. And but we just have to see that over and over again through the process. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to um, thank you for the talk. I've also felt really unsettled. And it reminds me a lot of how I felt at 9-11. Mm -hmm. And I think at that time I was walking around searching for community. And it's important, I think, what you know, you bringing up that, that uh, we are interconnected, that a lot of people feel this way. The exercise that you gave um, where you had said, you know, what, what, ne what was it, what next? Yeah. It's hard to ask that question mm. because I think that, you know, there's, there's so many kind of challenging things, things that have challenged us uh, on a daily basis that it's difficult. There's an anxiety of what could be next. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, what else, right? Yeah. And then I think the second part of that is I, I fear, I, I feel like I'm paralyzed by it and I don't feel like I'm going to be productive with it. Right. Thank you so much for naming that. Thank you so much for naming that. Yeah. Yeah, really, it's like that, that, that uncertainty and that place of uncertainty that wants to, like, you know, like that paralysis, right? Yeah. 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 It's like this. It's like this. And nothing good comes from being unproductive. Well, I mean... But being with, so being aware of paralysis is different than paralysis. Being aware of, of, of this, what I'm doing is this movement. Being aware of fixation is different than just being fixated. Bringing this power of awareness to what's happening in a moment-to-moment -moment way is different than being stuck in the state. It's fundamentally different. You have the awakening factor of mindfulness there. There's some clarity. There's some seeing. That's different. You see? Mm -hmm. And then there's a story about unpredictability and da-da-da. Okay, noticing thinking. Feeling paralyzed is like this. Feeling stuck is like this. Feeling overwhelmed is like this. And then there's the thought overwhelm, and there's the thought paralysis, and there's the thought stuckness, but you can train in going more and more into the body. You see, and like you stay with it, and 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 you breathe, and you breathe, and you breathe, and you breathe. That's what we're doing here. 
right? That's why we're practicing mindfulness. We're practicing it over and over again to be with this changing reality, regardless of what it's named, what the mind is calling it. And we just stay and stay and stay and stay and stay. And then when you have that impulse to act, when that impulse comes to act, you go. You go. You take it. When that genuine impulse to act, call a friend, make a phone call. I already said that, but like, you know, make, I don't know, just call it, whatever the impulse is, do it. And, you know, talking with Joanna the other day and, um, and in my own life, the power of community. If there was, we cannot do this alone. We can't do life alone. Getting in circles and checking in on how you're doing. Just this question, how are you? Five minutes a week, really getting real. How am I? I'm terrified. I'm shaking. I don't know what's next. Just being real with a group of people about what's happening will change your life. I mean, I can almost guarantee that. (laughs) And then action groups, creating groups of people who you're acting around what you care about. So where you're getting together and saying how you're doing, but then also gathering around particular topics that you care about, you know, knowing what you're about and, and acting around that if you're not already doing it. Because when you can't get up, someone else will get up, you know? And then with someone else getting up, then you're like, okay, I'll go. Like, it's just, that's how it is. It's not, like I was saying, like this, it's, yeah, we just have to keep staying in the reality and using this power of awareness and all the other skillful means. It's not like mindfulness is some panacea, right? I mean, there's a lot of skillful means that we are going to, that we use on this path of wisdom. But, this staying with, noticing thought is thought, gathering in community. Yeah, uncertainty is like this. We're actually at time, you guys. I'm sorry. I went off a little bit there. <laughs> um, yeah, uncertainty is like this. This is Pema Chodron on uncertainty again. She says, sticking with uncertainty, and the other word I would use for that is change. So uncertainty change, but sticking with uncertainty is how we learn to relax in the midst of chaos, how we learn to be cool when the ground beneath us suddenly disappears. We can bring ourselves back to the spiritual path countless times every day simply by exercising our willingness to rest in the uncertainty of this present moment over and over again. Sticking with uncertainty is how we learn to relax. In the midst of chaos, how we learn to be cool when the ground beneath us suddenly disappears. We can bring ourselves back to the spiritual path countless times every day by exercising our willingness to rest in the uncertainty of the present moment over and over and over again. This is what we're training in. It is such... Just a privilege and an honor to be in a room full of people who value non-harming and who care enough to come out on a rainy night to sit with their own minds and hearts. So um, for those of you that are new here, I really want to welcome you on on behalf of the teachers and the staff and the community here to Spirit Rock. It's your home now. You're welcome here. The doors are open. We have programming every day of the week, wonderful teachers with so much integrity, such good people um, associated uh, here. And, um, and many of you asked me about the Thursday night class. And um, so I encourage you to come check it out. And if you have questions about it, you know, it's, it's a class that's basically, um, the idea is, that it's a place, so after the inauguration, over, or on the night of the inauguration, or day of the inauguration, over 300 people came and gathered to sit at Spirit Rock. There was a huge response. And so um, many of the teachers here have said, we want to help meet the need of how to uh, bring these values of compassion and fierce, truthful, appropriate responses to injustice 
And um, so Thursday night is one of our responses to that. And um, the idea is that these action groups, like kind of what I was pointing to at the end, could emerge out of it. Um, there's just a lot of possibility. And it's the beginning stages. So if you come, you could be a central figure in what unfolds as far as community gathering. So if you're drawn to that, please come. You're so welcome. And you know we really want to be here. Uh, at this time, to support this, this uh, yeah, support love. So, just ending with the Buddha. In this world, hate never dispelled hate. Only love dispels hate. This is the law, ancient and inexhaustible. In this world, hate never yet dispelled hate. Only love dispels hate. This is the law, ancient and inexhaustible. May all beings in all time and spaces know happiness and the causes of happiness. Thank you for your kind attention. Be safe there on the rainy roads.